You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Wow, a couple episodes in a row. Bang, bang, bang. Sherwood Park's District Soccer Association Soccer Jack in the Park. <laughs> Throwing in that American flair there for you. Dan O'Drummond, hey, Chuckles O'Toole, Hello. and special guest today, Sean Lowther, the Executive Director of the Alberta Soccer Association. How are you doing? I'm good. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's glad, glad we can have you. We actually have another guest who may arrive later. He's been a guest on the show before, John Club. Wow. The uh, grass. you pulling roots. the strings? Manager, got it right. Did I get it right that time? Well, that's good. We're pulling strings. We're pulling everybody from everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) This is the way it goes. Um, But very happy to have Sean here. Uh, Sean, executive director. You've got a massive background in sport. Obviously, the sport of soccer. uh, Playing professionally. Why don't you just give us a little, little bit of a background on yourself and um, you know your your playing career? I'm, I'm sure everyone out there would. Would love to know the background. I mean, people know who you are, but they don't know who you are. <laughs> do you want a Colin Miller type background? Wow. Or just, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's all right. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to let uh, Spikey know exactly what's going on there. No, no. Um, yeah, feel free to do, do whatever you want. We, we, as long as we keep it clean, we're yeah. okay. <laughs> you know, I, I don't do look nervous. I have, everyone has this sound. <laughs> you know, that, that's to cover up any problems that might happen. So, um, yeah. Just a, a sure. bit of background, plain background. Uh, I'll try and keep it brief, um, <laughs> as brief as I can anyway. No worries. So back in 1978, wow. <laughs> uh, I first came to Edmonton, Alberta, from North Shields in the northeast of England with my parents as a kid emigrating to Canada. I'd just actually been released by Sunland Football Club as a schoolboy. And my mother said to me that I have to go to Canada and I can't find another club in the UK. So I was forced to come to Edmonton. <laughs> uh, came here and a year after I got here, after playing with the Edmonton Scottish and the Alberta Major Soccer League, the Edmonton Drillers were formed and um, I went to train with them. And while I was there, uh, Graham Leggett was the GM. He decided to send me to Manchester United as a 17-year-old. So I went back to Man U. Played a season there with their youth team, and then a guy called Dave Sexton, who was their manager at the time, called me in his office, and there I was, this 17-year-old boy in this little chair, and there's this big desk with an elevated chair from Mr. Sexton, <laughs> <laughs> and he says, uh, Sean, he says, uh, you, you're not good enough to play for the Manchester United first team, so I'm releasing you, and there was no sugar coating, it was just exactly the way he felt, and I got released. Uh-huh. And he said, but uh, a good friend of mine, Tony Waiters, wants to sign you for the Vancouver Whitecaps. So I signed for the Vancouver Whitecaps in March 1980 and went to Vancouver and played five years there. Uh, had a great time. Went to Ireland for a couple of seasons during that time. Uh, Who did you play for in Ireland? UCD in Dublin. Okay. Uh, won the Leinster Senior Cup, got into Europe. Nice. Uh, played European competition uh, and... I loved it. It was great. So I got to meet a lot of idols of mine from when I was a child in the UK, the Kevin Hectors and Trevor Weimarks and Alan Balls and Rude Crawls and all those guys and played for the Whitecaps for for five seasons, then played for the national team. Uh, The old NASL folded. I played for the Vancouver 86ers, was their first captain, won a Canadian championship with them, uh, helped Canada get to the World Cup and then got into coaching. And became a technical director, 
and then recently became the AD for Alberta Soccer. And I don't do anything with soccer anymore. What I do is conflict resolution oh and my gosh. <laughs> paperwork. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a good gig. I mean, uh, this is my, my passion. I've done it since I was 16 years of age professionally, yeah. and I just love it. That's fantastic. What a, what a background, too. I mean, to even get a sniff of, I know we, we put a lot of emphasis on the, the Man U, one of the, the biggest clubs in England, actually biggest club in the world. When you, when you talk about, all right, I know, I'm getting looks from Dano now. Tottenham, yeah, yeah, yeah. Celtic. Um, Who? Like, what? I, like I said, Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a remarkable story, though. I mean, it just uh, it have those experiences. And, and it's, uh, it's what an experience to have as a, as a young man. You must have been, were you gutted when you actually moved at first? To Canada? To Canada. Uh, yes, I was. Um, I wasn't happy with my mother. But she was a strong woman, and <laughs> you didn't tell her that. No, no, I can imagine. I can imagine. There's nothing worse than uh, going up against mom when she's got her foot put down, that's for sure. I, I, I would get the wooden spoon, but, the, you know, that's another era. She used to use her elbow. Uh, I was one of four boys, and when we got older, her hand didn't hurt anymore, so then she got, got the elbow out and hit us with her elbow, oh. and, and that hurt. <laughs> so kids this week, look out, hey? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I was, just, I was actually going to touch on that a little bit now that you've sort of moved uh, out of the realm of coaching uh, this must be i'm assuming it's going to be a bit of a fun week uh for you because we're still in the middle of the strive camp here i should have mentioned that and uh, sean's one of the guest coaches this week uh for our strive camp um are you enjoying it a being back on the field because i know it's once you get out of it you kind of get that hankering to want to go back and coach a little bit are, are you feeling that way? Are you uh, feeling it's midweek right now? So. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, when, you, when you're when you a player and then you stop playing and you become a coach, it's, oh, I wish I was a player again, you know, and then when you're a coach and become a TD, you said, oh, I wish I was just coaching again, you know, so you definitely miss it. Um, it's, a, it's a good camp, some good players in there. I'm enjoying it. Oh, uh, that's refreshing. Yeah. Uh, some of the some of the other coaches aren't the best, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Uh, no, I'm just, it's, uh, it's just good, kidding. It's a good thing the three guys in the room are just walking around. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, no, it's it's good. There's some good coaches there and some good people, and uh, you know I haven't seen Alex Bunbury and oh my goodness, I played with Alex in Ham- Hamilton in 19 oh eight, 1990. Wow. It's the last time I... 29 years, Alex. yeah. Yeah, so... How, how old are you, Dan? 34. Were you born in the 90s? Uh, 90 34 this year. I'm 33. So you were an 80-something. 80, yeah. 85. Wow, 85. Dated myself there. Yeah. yeah I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't date you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so in 1990, I played with Hamilton Steelers with Alex Bunbury, and that's the last time uh, I've seen Jeez. Alex. Wow. Until this week. Wow. Well, that's great. So hopefully it was a, it was a good meeting again. We're bringing people I, I, together. I Bring what? We're bringing people together. Bring former teammates. teammates. Yeah, look at us. Hey? Excellent. So who should we bring in next year then? What uh, former teammates what other do you want to be here? here? <laughs> There's quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> the list could, continues, but that'd be great. expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's just so much fun that, uh, that we're having here at this camp. I mean, the banter that goes on off field, on field has been great. Glad that you're able to um, see some people that, you know, you haven't seen in a while. Um, no, I'm, I'm just trying to say, you know, I, I know that you work an awful lot and, and we're lucky enough to have 
um, your, your, your lady working here at our Sherwood Park offices. So we actually hear stories about how much you actually work, which is incredible, especially in the evenings, phone calls, emails, back and forth. And like you say, is it mostly the resolution stuff or is there other aspects of... Do you work with teams at all anymore as far as the... Uh, no, I, I I don't. I did a little bit of work with the Rex program in the winter. Okay. Uh, so I'll probably do a bit more work next year with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I've said, I miss it, obviously. Yeah. But there's a lot of lot of work to be done. Um, CSA have created the coach licensing program, which is a game changer for the game in Canada. And I think it's important that we get that right. So that's uh, you know an area of the game that I think can move us forward. So we'll be spending a lot of time on that. Yeah, I mean, and it's I know Sherwood Park District. We've we've applied to be part of. Um, that group, uh, we know there's applications coming in from Scottish, from St. Albert, from a couple of other places. It, it, what was the number of, there was a, a bigger, like a large number of groups in the northern part of the province that applied, I believe it was, what was it, six or eight? Well, there was, there was 19 Alberta organizations applied for the National Youth License. Yeah. Uh, the National Youth License is just a part of the licensing mm-hmm. program. There's mm-hmm. other levels as well, and that's probably more important that we we try and bring all the clubs in Alberta uh, into the program, whatever level they're going to be at. For sure. And try to improve the standards of the game across the province, and that's going to be our main goal. Mm-hmm. The National Youth License is a, you know, it's, it's ran by Canada Soccer, the standards that they, they have put forth, and uh, it's it's... Kind of soccer that decides the clubs that get that license. Yeah, um, but it's it's below that. It's the grassroots clubs where we need to make an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to have more players playing the game at the highest level possible to produce better level players. So if we can do anything to raise the standards for every club across the across the province mm-hmm. and then across the country, yeah, that's the only way standards will will move forward. Yeah, and it makes sense. And and have you noticed standards drop at all within any of the programming that at, at least the ASA is impro- involved with, whether it be the uh, the under thirteen fourteen, um, I guess the provincial team programs, or obviously the next step, the Rex programs, or even the mini stars that we run uh, for the ASA. Standards sort of about the same. Are they have they stayed the same? And this uh, CSA push will also push us to strive to be better. Or well, it's I mean it's early doors. Yeah, I mean, we, of course, of know, course. Just, uh, CSA are finally getting this in place, and you know you look at the the major countries in the world in, in football, and they've had you know, licenses for the past twenty years. Mm-hmm. So we're behind the eight ball in that regard, but at least it's getting going. And I think the standards will, will increase. In regards to Alberta players right now, I think we're at the same level we've always been at across yeah. the country. Yeah. I think Ontario, just because of their size, are getting more players into national team programs. I think we've slipped a bit in that regard, as has BC. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mainly Ontario players right now make up our national teams. But we do produce quality players. Yeah, uh, Alfonso Davis, you know, out of Alberta, came here when he was six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone 
really developed Alfonso Davis. I think Alfonso Davis developed Alfonso Davis. I, I would have to agree there. Uh, I mean, you know, but uh, you know, at least he had an environment to play in. Of course, I played uh, played in a league here and then moved on to bigger and better things. So we need to create those environments for more players to be coached at that level, mm-hmm. and I think the club licensing will do that. Yeah, and I know you're you're a huge part of that too, Charles, within the club. Uh, making sure we move forward as a, as, a, as a technical group that's capable of helping to push those standards a bit? Well, yeah. And I think the big thing we got to do too is like educate the parents in that as well. So get them behind it mm-hmm. and you know, educate them in what we're trying to do here with not only our own association, but to develop the players, to push them towards the national team as well. Yeah. And I mean, that's the ultimate goal, right? Is yeah. to get these players to the national level. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at developing a program here, like as Sean said, through the youth licensing and all that. So getting quality coaches in those positions to help develop those kids. Mm-hmm. And again, trying to get rid of a lot of these egos that are happening within clubs where coaches are keeping the players because they think... It's their players, yeah, and they're not pushing them to the next level. Mm-hmm. Our job as coaches are to develop players and move them on to the next level, yeah. And that's why we want to get club licensing for and licensing of our coaches. Mm-hmm. So we're improving our coaches, and along that way, bringing our players along. Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a good thing for Sherwood Park moving forward, as long as uh, we can uh, d- jump through the hoops that are necess- necessary to keep us in that licensing pool or the possibility of that licensing pool. Dano, when you, when you were, when you were playing uh, soccer and getting yourself to a point where you had made some national pools and programs, mm-hmm. was there anything going on that was pushing you? Obviously there was, there was a provincial stuff that you were able to get involved with, but um, yeah, I feel like I was a little bit on when you look at the, maybe the provincial, but definitely the national scale is definitely a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, I had good environments within my club setup. Um, I attended uh, CNFX Soccer Academy. I think it, just being out and playing as much as I did in my high school days and then getting into the NTC really pushed me on. So that was a good program. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up with a U18 national team, which was a great experience going to Czech Republic and Austria. And it's just something you hold dear, right, to yeah. put on that shirt. And even at a, a younger age, right, it's something special for sure. Yeah. Um, just joining us now, John Club coming into the room. John Club, how are you? Manager of Grassroots. I guess you and Dano, unfortunately, are going to have to share a microphone. <laughs> how you doing? I'm good. How, how, how was the session? Good? Fantastic, yeah. Fantastic. I have no idea what the session was, but, you know, I just thought I'd ask. Um, <laughs> no, that's great. We're, we're we're just chatting right now about uh, some of the some of the stuff that Sean's uh, involved with in regards to uh, Alberta soccer and the and and some of the way the programming's going right now as far as club licensing, which is basically CSA driven, but still needs someone at the helm here within the province to help us move forward. We're just talking a bit about in, with Sean and playing his playing level, and just asking about the national pools. You know, was it the province that helped you push on, uh, which Dano talked about? For yourself, coming over from England um, and ending up at the Whitecaps to start with, how did you end up? Was it just because Tony Waiters was also the national team coach, or was it a different coach at the time when you ended up playing nationally? No, but before we get to that, I'll just add something that Dano said. Sure. You know, a few years ago, or recently, the, the pathway was you'd play for your club team locally, play on a provincial team, you get invited into NTC, you go on the national team. Uh, that's, that's changing. Yeah. And for good reason, because 
to select 18 players at age 12 and 13 and expect them to be the best players at age 18 is just not on. So we need to have more players playing at that level for a longer period of time with good quality coaches, good facilities, a good environment. So that's what this is all about, is giving more, more kids the opportunity to play at that level. Mm-hmm. And then certain kids will come out of that and play at a higher level. So we sort of threw all our eggs in one basket before. Yeah. Now we're trying to, to widen that net and, and create more players to play at that level. Yeah. Which, back, go ahead, go ahead. So back to your, your question, which was? I was just kind of curious to know because because <laughs> you were playing professionally in England, uh, you'd done the Manchester United for a, a season and then were released and ended up going directly to the Whitecaps. So I'm just trying to think of the pathway for a, a, a British player coming over, playing. You're now living in Canada, playing for the Whitecaps. How did you end up in the national pool? Yeah, so, I mean, I got sent back, like I said, by Edmonton Drillers oh, okay. to try and hide me at Man United. So I played there with their youth team, which was unbelievable. I mean, obviously playing at one of the biggest clubs in the world, even though it's at the youth level, was fantastic. And watching guys that I'd seen on TV walk along the dressing room, floor right next to me, I'm thinking, yeah. I've died and gone to heaven sort of thing, <laughs> uh, which, was, which was great. Um but I just, I wasn't good enough to play in the English Premiership. Yeah. You know, I wasn't quick enough. Uh, I mean, I could pass a good ball and that, but I just wasn't at that level. So came, you know, came back to Canada playing for the Whitecaps, which is a slightly lower level with some good players that were world-class players. Um, so just played there and then got scouted by the national team at, at that time, you know, and uh, now it things, was great. And again, not trying to, not trying to, drag out your age or anything there, pal. Um, (laughs) But obviously it was different then. You, did you need that passport that said you were a Canadian player or because you were living in the country? I'm I'm trying to remember myself, the sort of rules and guidelines to be part of a national program. You had to be Canadian. You had to have a Canadian passport. So I arrived in June, 1978. Mm -hmm. And I think it was June 16th or something. And I was with the Vancouver Whitecaps on June 16, 1981. And I was in the, the citizenship office that day getting my citizenship because wow. they pulled the strings, which you can't do anymore. No, of course not. <laughs> but back, back then, the Whitecaps were you know, in with the government and they made sure I became a citizen on the, the anniversary of my third anniversary of me coming to Canada. So oh, I, became, I became a Canadian because it was in their best interest because yeah, you had of to play so, play so many Canadians. And uh, I became a citizen and then started to play for Canada. That's awesome. And you, and you actually got to go play in a World Cup, didn't you? I didn't play in the World Cup. I played in the qualifying games, but I didn't <sighs> actually go to Mexico. That's another Miller story. Come on. What's going on there? Yeah, it's, it's Colin Miller all over again. Yeah. but Gets them there. You again, qualify I mean, them. And then <clears throat> Bob Lenarduzzi was the right back. I was the, I was the backup guy and he went. I didn't. Uh. We could have some stories there about... Well, he's better looking than me. (laughs) (laughs) The face of Canada for a while, as far as soccer went. Hey, listen, we're going to take our first break here. When we come back, we're going to bug Mr. Club a little bit about some of the grassroots programming that's going on, especially summertime stuff. you got to love that and through the Strive Camp here. So uh, you're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. We'll be right back. This episode of Soccer Talk of the Park is sponsored by Icon Experience Photography, the SPDSA's official photographer. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is 
the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association's Soccer Talk of the Park. I love that American soccer. Shot score. I know. I did it at the beginning, too. Uh, Sean Luther is in the office with us. He's here. Charles O'Toole, John Club, Dan O'Drummond. Myself. No, you got to say hey, buddy, into the microphone. <laughs> okay, from, from distance. Yeah, that distance is Dan O'Drummond. Um, we're just having some fun here. It's our Strive for Excellence week. Um, had the uh, the English crew and uh, one former national player, Mr. Alex Bunbury. Is, is that how you pronounce his name? Bunbury? Bunbury. <laughs> Bunbury. Um, the, the, in the last episode, you guys will have heard that and be all about that in a bag of chips. Um, Mr. Club is the manager of grassroots and grassroots development, I would assume, for the association known as Alberta Soccer. Um, I'm just wondering how busy you are, because every time I hear about John Club, you're everywhere in this province working on the grassroots, because that is actually the level that needs to get us all to that CSA level of licensing and the higher thing, but it all starts with you. Yeah, wherever I lay my hat, really. Um, I've traveled a lot this, this last year. Um, it's, it's great to be here working with the kids in the camp. Quite often we're going out doing um, parent clinics and introducing parents into becoming coaches and working with long-term player development and the preferred training model. So it's, take, it's been a long journey, seven years, trying to get more and more people to get an understanding of those two concepts, and, and we're getting there. You know, we had a parent meeting earlier this week in Sherwood Park, mm-hmm. and it was really well received. So the wheel's turning. It's, it's amazing. I, I unfortunately had another session to run that evening and wasn't able to be at that meeting, um, but heard so many positive things from different people, and in particular, parents who almost had eye-opening events happen based on what you were letting them know. Uh, so you're right. I, I mean, it's something you talked about earlier, Charles, too, is, right. is the bulk of the information doesn't necessarily have to go to the athletes, especially the younger ones. It's got to go to the parents so they have an understanding of what it takes to help a child develop, what it helps or what it takes to to form that child's thoughts and beliefs in sports and moving forward. Yeah, I think one of the things that holds us back is a lot of parent coaches come into the game and they want to teach the game. And and that's not what we're asking. We're asking them to teach children to play soccer. So they can't be trying to recreate Liverpool, Tottenham in the UEFA Champions League. That's not the game at grassroots. It's going out and we've just done a session, dishes and domes, physical literacy, just getting the kids having fun. And the children want to play with their parents. They want to play with the adults. So that's what we're, we're trying to encourage at those grassroots levels. As the parents grow in the game, they'll get an understanding of what the game is at that high level and hopefully become those better coaches for the future. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, that's, that's fantastic. And, you know, the, the hope is that, uh, you know, more people will listen and follow suit. Because I'm trying to think of the day back when I played my... I don't know if it sounds horrible to say it. I don't think my dad ever, he would come out and watch matches, but I don't think I ever played any kick around with my father at all. I was about to say old man, but you know, I'm an yeah, old man. Yeah, but if I can just jump in. Sure. I mean, as a kid, I, I played in the park with, with other kids and you might be playing with an 18 year old and you're seven, you know, and you just learn how to play with older players and, you don't hold on to the ball, you get rid of it very quickly. (laughs) 
because you'll get hammered if you if you hold on to it, right? Of course. And, and then the <laughs> that's mom's elbow. And then the older the older kids would understand that they couldn't get stuck into the younger one and and whack them, you know. So, mm. you know that that's the same concept. You know, you, you would play with older players, and they would help you develop into better players. And I think what John's saying is, we get parents involved with the kids kicking the ball ball around. It's exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Was it like that in Scotland? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. smack and tackle, eh? <laughs> what do you say? And that was for the drunks from the pub. That <laughs> <laughs> was just the walk home. <laughs> yeah, the walk home. No, that's exactly like, uh, like probably like Sean as well, that generation probably learned most of their soccer in the street. Yeah. And then the, the, at that time, there wasn't a lot of formal coaching going on. Mm-hmm. And you look at the, the, the way soccer is being approached now, like the science behind it is incredible. And I mean, it's coming even from the community levels. Yeah. Like people are being educated, as John says, like through nutrition, sleep, hydration, that sort of stuff. So I think we are developing a more aware athlete and maybe even a more aware parents. They're people who are looking to think, oh, maybe their kids do have something here or something like that. And the clubs are putting in programs now, like, well, part of this uh, licensing program mm-hmm. is we've got to have that structure where we're educating the parents and the players how to look after themselves. But are we losing sight a little bit of just the play, just the play aspect? Because yeah. that was part of the, yeah. a podcast that you and I and the, and the group did a while back where just, just play, one, just one, one of the questions I've had thrown at me but was by a parent in a, a smaller community, and she works in special education, so she knows children. And I went in to see her and support her, and the one question she said is, what if I'd get it wrong? And I, I, my answer was, how can you get it wrong? It's a simple game. And so if you aren't aware of the game and you watch it, it's very complex at the higher level. And to try and replicate that when you're not. And so so for me, the grounding is it's not a difficult game. Mm-hmm. Can you take it back to basic? Because that's what children need at that younger level. They don't need to know swirling motions in midfield, what a 4-3-3 is. They just need to know how to run, to move and play with a ball. So mums and dads can do that. And, and again, it's a great way... We'd done a survey um, a couple of years ago with a 1,000 children in Alberta, and I asked them what role their parents should play in soccer. And 80% of the children at seven said they wanted their parents to play with them, not to go and watch, cheer, and give them a lift to the park. They wanted their parents to actually play with them. And I think that's something we're losing all the time um, in the modern day with iPhones and social media. Um, we don't need that, but the children want it, and... When I have engaged parents on clinics, it's interesting when we get them to do an exercise and I've got guys who look ver- relatively fit and they're saying, I haven't done that in 20 years. And I'm looking at them saying, is that a shame? So we, we need to encourage parents and everyone to just try and keep active. And the Strive yeah. Camp this week has been great because you've got kids out who really want to play the game. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame the ones who are at home on the... And I loved it because at the Strive Camp, usually uh, towards the end of the lunch break, we, we've had the special guests step up to talk to the entire group um, about different topics that they you know, uh, believe in and, and want to express to the, to the athletes, the players. And one of the things that I recall you saying in your talk, because John had the first chat there, was talking about players that... The players, the Messi's of the world, the Ronaldo's of the world, uh, how they want to, the Christine Sinclair's of the world, the, you know, uh, Alfonso Davies of the world, how, how much they, their love for the sport is what's 
got them to the level they're at. It's those ones that do just want to go out in the yeah. park and kick around and have some fun with their friends, but it's all soccer still, but they're having fun. It's, it's that, it's that drive and, and but even the younger generation, yeah. the, the kids who we've seen come through the provincial program, I've asked them and it, like they say, it's not what they do at the clubs and necessarily within our technical programs. The thing that makes the difference is them going out and playing, just playing with their parents, with their friends in the park. And we don't see it enough, yeah. but the ones that do it, and the ones that, that are excelling, you know, um, like I say, Anderson Williams, and they do good. They're the ones who are going out and playing mm-hmm. in addition to all that's being provided. Yeah, and, and that's and that's something as a, as a you know as, as a club, we we love to try and you know help support people in any way they can. And again, Charles has mentioned it already about the trying to get the parents involved and educating them a little bit more so they can be more involved in their own uh, can, their own kids. Can I just add something to that? Sure. Uh, you know, and it's not teams having 10 sessions a week that is doing that. Uh, you know, that's detrimental. But kids doing their three to four sessions a week and then doing additional stuff on their own that is unstructured, that's what's required. Yeah. You know, there's no pressure on the kids and just go and kick the ball around, have a bit of fun, try try things that they wouldn't try in training or in games. It's that that work they do away from the structured environment that makes them better players. Wow. You know, I've heard a little buzz here and usually it means you have to answer your phone. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, grab the mic. You can pull it over. Well, I'm just avoiding having to pick up my phone. Oh, <laughs> yes, there's a rule in our lovely little soccer talk in the park that if your phone rings during a broadcast, you must answer it in front of the microphone. Oh, <laughs> Dano, saved by the buzz. Um, yeah, love the topics, love the interest here. We're actually going to take another break. I can't believe how quickly this is flying by. You guys are super. I'm just going to throw it out there, okay? Uh, You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park with our special guest during our Strive Camp. We're uh, sponsored by the Sherman Park District Soccer Association. That's where I work. Yeah, here we go. Uh, We'll be right back. This episode of Soccer Talk of the Park is sponsored by Icon Experience Photography, the SPDSA's official photographer. Sherwood Park District Soccer Association, Soccer Talk in the Park. Oh my God, I'm losing it. I'm just tired. I'm sorry, folks. I'm tired. So for that one person in the Maldives that's listening to us, I'm tired today. D-Dub is tired. Uh, it's funny, it's hump day at the camp, and we're on our way, we're over the edge and on our way down. In here with Sean Luther, uh, <laughs> Charles O'Toole, John Club, and Dano Drummond. How you doing, Dano? Good, man. No, no, scream, scream into the mic there. Let's go ahead. Yo, I'll bring my mic over there. I'm great. Just stay on the hey, mic the whole time, man. Dano's in the room. <laughs> no, we, we, we've at a, we're at a point where this board can only handle so many microphones. I'll work on it. I'll work on engaging and, and, and bringing more microphones into the thing. Ask Debbie for some more money then. <laughs> Debbie, <laughs> could I have some more? Now I'm just bantering. Now I'm just killing time. Hang on, is it 35 minutes yet? No. Uh, now I'm just being silly. All right, so we've got John Club and we've got uh, Sean Lother in here from the Alberta Soccer Association. We're going to talk a little bit about the Western Canada Games and just... 
Just some of the, the higher end uh, profile type stuff that goes on, the teams that go on. Um, no, well, actually, we'll, we'll actually shoot over to Mr. Club here. <laughs> Mr. Club, John Club, we'll talk to you a little bit about uh, some of the programming that's coming up in, in your vein uh, as far as things go within um, the grassroots programs. Yeah, we've got the mini stars um, starting up again. We've got two programs, one in Calgary and Edmonton for the full program. And then we go into the winter where we're trying to do outreach. Again, what I like about the Mini Stars is it's not a team based, it's a player based program. And we encourage exactly what we talked about earlier. We encourage the children to come in and make mistakes and learn, you know, if, if they're learning. And some of the feedback we get is from their parents is that they like it because it gets them away from the club where there's pressure. Whatever team you're on, there's pressure to, to perform for the coach, mm-hmm. for the team. So we, we, we get them into that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the many stars as always and getting back coaching in there as well myself down in Calgary and when I can get up to Edmonton to do that yeah on top of that we're still looking to get out and and visit some of the smaller communities around Alberta give support to the uh, districts and promote the grassroots there's there's lots of good feedback lots of questions still coming through um, and I think that's that's an important role for us to be very important engaging those communities you know where Tasquin, Leduc, Edson We've been out there. I'd love to get out to Peace River and stuff and just keep growing the, the game because, like we say, we need the masses to support the, the mm-hmm. top end. Talk, touching a little bit with the mini stars, um, I've seen some massive groups and then I've seen some smaller groups. There's, is there, there's no limit or do you actually – is there a limit that you can handle as far as numbers go? The numbers comes down to facilities and availability. Um the smaller groups are certainly in the smaller, those smaller, the smaller communities. communities. Edmonton's always been well supported because it's outside of the programming. And, and it's great, you know, being up here in Shower Park. I'm, I'm asking some of the kids, how many of you done mini stars? And a lot of them have been through and, and done it. And That's it, awesome. And it's great to see it. And I've seen it working on a provincial program where a lot of those children have progressed through to me. So, um, and some of them, like I say, Ali Remington's gone right through and she's playing with white caps and off to university. And she come to me as a, as a little mini stars years ago. Uh, so for, as a coach, it, it's, it's great to see that progress, yeah. you know, and to pop into Edmonton and see the same faces coming up on the provincial teams and clashing with them when we do the North and the South teams. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And, and you know, speaking of the clashing part and, and getting into the provincial side of things, um, there's, there's some of the programming. Actually, just I don't know if you'll have an, a thought process as to what direction it's going understanding that like we talked about in the first segment there's the club licensing program and a pdp league that that will start you know within the next year or two um how is that going to affect the um team programming like the 13 and 14 programs under 13 under 14 programs provincially is that going to make a shift there will they still be in place or will the pdp sort of take the place uh, of that programming yeah i mean if you look it's established programs throughout the world <clears throat> you know it's clubs that develop players not associations so you know it's important that our clubs have programs in place to develop all players mm-hmm. and whatever level they want to play at they should have programming for that so the shift is to get away from provincial teams. Um, I don't think it's in the mandate of provincial associations to develop players. It's the clubs that have to do that. Mm-hmm. And we want to facilitate that. 
will we still be involved in identification and you know putting names forward to the to the national program or to professional clubs absolutely but i can see the day where we don't have these provincial teams other than for than for the multi-sport events such as the canada games the western canada games etc yeah yeah and the alberta summer games i'm I'm assuming that now are we much is the is the association involved with the Alberta Summer Games we, as much? Or? We help organize, yeah, okay. you know, we'll make sure the referees are there and, mm-hmm. and we run the competition, but it's done by the, by the zones. Oh, okay. You know, okay. So I know I, I was just, I'm only asking, I was involved last, was it last year? Or? Yeah, last year. Yeah, last year I was, I was involved with the, the boys team there and uh, I'm still sort of was dumbfounded. I'm. I feel new to the province still. Uh, it's been a while, but, you know, it's it's almost like saying loathe. It's saying all kind of the same. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I just didn't really understand whether it was a provincially run program or... No, it's run by Alberta Sport Connect, which oh, okay. is the, the sports arm for the provincial government. And they put on that event for all sports. They do awesome. a, a summer games and a winter games. And actually this year in the winter games will be a futsal event for the first time. Oh, uh, which has gone out the districts, and um, you know that's going to be be fun as well. Uh, that's going to be in Airdrie in February, I believe, and then we have the summer games in Lethbridge next summer, uh, where players from throughout the province come together and represent their zones, which is there's eight zones, mm-hmm. um, and I believe you're black and gold, black gold, black yeah. gold. Yeah. Um, so you know that's it's fun. I think the kids love it. You know they get to stay away from their their parents for a weekend. <laughs> for a weekend yeah, you know live in a in a, gy- a school gym or something like that, and, uh, <laughs> or a classroom. Yeah, and have lots of fun. You know, so it's a it's an event that's people experience and then they seem to enjoy yeah, it. And, and knowing Dano, you were involved with that at one point too. So. Yeah. And just to touch on it when you said it's good experiences, I remember um, my dad and Leo McCandry coached it. So, I mean, I was involved as a player and then I think it was five years ago now I was involved as a coach with Graham Dixon doing black gold as well. So the glue, yeah, the glue. Yeah. <laughs> Got to give a shout out to him. So um, yeah, great experiences. And yeah, you grow up a little bit. You get to just bond with your teammate and you're living in a class. But the story with Graham, who, who used to work in the office here. So we get there and all the kids are getting their gym mattresses down and whatnot. Right. And getting sorted out. And Graham's got a huge space in the corner. We're thinking, it's a bit weird. Maybe he wants his personal space. And you hear this little uh, little air pump going. You thought, what's going on? Double-sized bed, air mattress going <laughs> for the head coach. So I just shook my head and I just thought, oh, or co-coach. And I just thought, oh, what are you doing, mate? But You yeah. know what? Because I, I heard that story before I went up there and I was very tempted to, I was looking around for cots and different things I could purchase. And then there was a note that was sent along, an email to all head coaches. No air mattresses, no cots allowed. It's probably the Dixon rule. but of, of course, the football teams, there was football teams on the same floor of the school we stayed at and every one of them had a cot or a blow-up mattress of some sort it was crazy absolute crazy but a lot of fun and it gives them a little taste of what uh what an olympic games might be like or or one of the larger type games like you were saying the western canada games or the canada games um yeah fantastic value in that what are you giving me the gears for <laughs> you're looking at me like it was that. just a yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, one of those, I don't know. I'm, I'm 
<laughs> You're tired. I'm, I'm sleeping. We've got lots of time to kill here. How about chatting there, boys? Huh? How about throwing something down, spitballing something? Anyway, back to the Western Canada Games. Yes, Western Canada Games. <laughs> uh, they take place at the end of end of July, beginning of August, uh, in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. Wow, big mosquitoes. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> It'll be interesting. BC on in it for the first time. The the BC really? government pulled all of their teams what? for every single sport uh, for budget cuts. So wow, that's you know, that's not got to didn't know that. that can't sit well with the province uh, as far as like the provincial <coughs> bodies go. Like, have you ever heard anything about the? Uh, <coughs> no, no, go ahead. Excuse me about. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it was a shock when it occurred. Um, I mean, BC soccer were were devastated. They, they wanted to continue with the event. Wow. Um, but the... Because don't they... Don't Alberta, they s- Saskatchewan, Manitoba, the Northwest Territories, Yukon, still want to be involved, so it's still going ahead. Wow. I, I can't understand why uh, uh, an organization... Well, I mean, they say it's financial, but is it? Is it? Or is it something else? Or is it becoming a little bit political in some of the stuff well, that's going on? Maybe it's something to do with the pipeline. I well, I was know. just, that's what I meant. I didn't want to actually go there because <laughs> I, you know, we could talk politically yeah. if we want. Not, not that I really know much no, about I'm, anything, but. They, they said it was for <laughs> budget reasons. Okay. So is that going to happen with the Canada Games team? No, no. It was just the Western Canada Games. Just the West. So they will have teams in the Canada Games. Now, Western Canada Games is every two or four? Two years? Every four, four. years. Every four years. So and then same thing with the Canada yeah. Games every four years? Yeah. So there's two years in between the, the events. Okay. Okay. So that would be, what is it, 21, 2021, they'll have the Canada Games? Uh, yes. Okay. And that's in Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. What? You're giving me the gears again. I've no. been to Niagara Falls. I, I actually went there. I remember driving through with the Whitecaps. We flew into Toronto and had the bus to Rochester. <laughs> Rochester. Yeah. So we went through the border and went to Niagara Falls. Who plays Falls. in Rochester again? Rochester Raging Rhinos <laughs> Corner <laughs> Kick. Uh, like announcers had to announce it every single time. Corner it, Kick. It's easy doing the podcast and taking a back seat. I can just, I can watch. I can assess. So. Yeah, you know what? And DW's tired, so the mayhem continues. <laughs> Not, I, can, I can just see. You can J- wrap it up. I can see Jordan Stewart fast forwarding through everything right now. The one guy in the Maldives won't. The, or the, woman. Uh, the one guy in the Maldives. We've had people from Nigeria listening to us, too. <laughs> By br- accident, probably. Probably by accident. <laughs> the satellite was just in <laughs> the, the right, the sunspot just hit it the right direction and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I, 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 I can't appreciate the role you guys play enough in, in what we do here uh, in this province, especially with change and the different things that come down the pike from the CSA and just and, and you having to deal, um, Sean, with, with the problems. I, I don't, you know... I guess you become a bit more of a spokesperson in the in the executive role that you're in now, as opposed to. Uh... Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I mean, the game is evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had massive changes in the last few years, and for the good. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I think for the first time ever uh, since the '80s, uh, our national team is on the cusp of doing well and possibly earning their way to a World Cup. I'm, I, th- I think the. The next World Cup in Qatar, I think we'll have a have a chance to qualify, based upon what I've seen, mm-hmm. uh, as these young players start to develop, which is which is good for the game. Yeah. Our women's team continues to do well. 
Uh, there's been some criticism that they, they lost the way they did in the World Cup, but they're still ranked in the top 10 in the world, uh-huh. and they'll continue to do well. The European nations are catching up, and some are overtaking us, but uh, we will respond, mm-hmm. and we'll do better. Yeah. Um, but on the men's side, I'm particularly impressed with the way Herdman has come in and structured it. Uh, he's a, a very good coach, a good organizer, um, you know, a great motivator for sure. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think I think they'll be all right. Um, we just got to get more players for him, and mm-hmm. it's up to clubs, districts, provincial bodies to get the players into the national team. Yeah, fantastic. And it starts with you over there, Mr. Club. Grassroots, yeah. get them going. I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm going to give you, yeah. okay, John Club's phone number is, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm kidding, but it's, yeah, it's, we've got the two, two heavyweights here of the ASA in the room right now. We've got the gentleman who starts it all and the gentleman who helps to, to finish it all. So yeah, I, I just want to thank both John Club and Sean Lother for coming in and uh, participating both in this drive camp and being part of the the podcast here. Um, sorry, I'm a sleepy uh, daft, you know what, um, today. But yeah, it's been fun. I, I, I appreciate you coming in here. Thanks for having us. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. <laughs> I see that. Are you okay it's with been, it? It's been a great week. Yeah, yeah. great out coaching the kids. Today. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So from Charles and Dano. Cheers, buddy. And, and the two ASA superstars. See you next Thursday. Yeah, see, see you next Thursday. Oh, Dano. Um, you've been listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of, of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association.